When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. On Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. John Jotar here, Sandy Clough on my left, as always. If you're watching on MileHighSports.com, on the Mile High Sports app, which is free, uh, you would know that because you can see us. And I'm waving. Hi. But if you're just listening, then you can't. So make sure you check that out, MileHighSports.com or the free Mile High Sports app. Joining us, as we're always delighted to have him, but especially today, uh, Friend of the program, really just friend, CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams, Justin Adams TV on Twitter. Justin, uh, thanks for joining us. Don't even bother. Uh, you're always polite saying thanks for having us. Just go straight into what your excitement level is for tomorrow. Um, Guys, 81, because that was my jersey number. <laughs> guys, I'm beyond excited, okay? <laughs> Woo, baby! Look, the Bucks aren't terrible. I mean, that's, that's the best thing about it. I, I just can't believe for what I saw, and look, I'll be very objective in a little bit. But right now, I'm going to be just—I'm just going to be a buff right now. It was great to see a team come together, and when they were punching them out several times at TCU, there were several times of that game last week they should have lost. I mean, when TCU just went back and forth, they had a punt return, long uh, kick return, and they were yeah, able to score right. several plays later. You were just thinking, like, okay, this is the time that the Buffs are going to give this game away and they were able to hold at the end. What a win and what a great start to the season. You know, um, having been there, and I think you're right, but sitting in a section in which CU fans were few and far between, uh, we were uh, at the end zone that TCU was coming into on their final possession that the Buffs managed to stop, and we're about eight rows up mostly TCU parents in the area. Uh, actually, uh, virtually all of them were really, really nice. But we're uh, watching the game, and it gets to be 24-14, and uh, you know, they score the two unanswered touchdowns to go ahead 28-24. And uh, CU comes back, takes the lead. TCU answers again and goes up by four. And we're sitting there thinking, you know what? It's okay if they lose this game. Right, uh, you know it's okay if they lose. That the, the point has been made, and yet there there was also kind of a nervousness even when TCU was ahead in the crowd that turned out 
to probably apply to the TCU players and maybe even the coaches on the sidelines, even when they were ahead, they looked uncomfortable to me. And CU never looked rattled. That that, that was is, what impressed me more than anything else. Uh, Sandy, you're spot on. And it was more surprising than anything else because it's not just saying, okay, this is the type of team that we've seen for the last couple of years around this time that would, you know, give up the game and lose. Guys, it's just football in general. I mean, you can look last night against the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs going on to take on uh, the Detroit Lions, and we're talking about a team that just won the Super Bowl, and under the pressure, you have one of your wide receivers who can't hold on to the football. Right. You expected the same thing to see from guys who are 18 to 23, and you didn't see that. That was just extremely impressive. And I came away from that game with just, Honestly, shocking off with what Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and the rest of the crew uh, did just overall. That was very impressive. You've played at the NCAA level. Uh, can you even envision the kind of energy it takes to do what Travis Hunter is doing? Not only play <laughs> on both sides, but excel on both sides. Yeah, the only thing that I could think of, uh, <laughs> look, honestly, as a player um, at the college level, I, I can't fathom that. I mean, there's been <laughs> some great athletes that I've seen. Uh, look, I've seen guys like Adrian Peterson, okay? I've seen the Vince Youngs of the world. I've seen so many impressive guys up front. But to see what Travis Hunter is doing, guys, let, let's not – let's just be honest. In a black and gold uniform, who in the history of CU can do that? I think what Byron Byron White is the only guy who we Maybe. can honestly say could do that. Maybe him. Other than that, who else? I mean, Alfred Williams, for as great as he is, he's not jumping on an offensive line or being a tight end, right? Yeah. He's not playing both ways. I mean, Kadavis McGee, go down the list of names. Um, Darian, uh, Darian Hagan, I know that um, during the heyday, he was the punt returner, too. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I really can't think of a guy who's doing what Travis Hunter is doing. He is doing something that is extremely special. And, guys, we got to definitely take a look at that and really remember it because it's something that uh, – We'll be talking about for years. It, it was one of the great athletic feats I, I've ever seen because being yeah. there, especially in the second yeah, you half, you know how hot it I was. I know too. how hot it was because we were eight rows up in the in in the end zone on the closed end, and we we were we were getting the full force of it. But it was not 133 degrees where we stood on that field. It was 133 mm-hmm. degrees, and he played 129 snaps and. I I kept looking over the sideline, especially in offense, to see if he would come out for an extended stretch. And I know he missed a few plays here and there and was huffing and puffing maybe at times. But on the postgame interview, he looked fresh as a daisy. And you kind of believed him when he said, I could go out and play 129 more plays, basically. He said that. And it was one of the great athletic feats I saw in in the heat and humidity. And in the second half, and that the best catch that anyone made during the course of the game was his pass interception. None of his 11 receptions were as good as the pass interception he made as far as quality of catch is concerned, and he was even mad at himself because he didn't come down with one or two circus catches. But that circus catch on defense on that interception, that was a sight to behold. And that, to me, that changed the outcome of the game. It really did because TCU goes down and scores, and CU is now down what by two scores at that point. Well, they, if, if you kind of assume that everything else would have happened as it did, they they would have been down maybe by eleven and not four. Mm-hmm. And if they're down eleven, I I don't think even CU playing as well as it did offensively could overcome that. But that's why I say it was the play of the game 
because yeah. as the pass is being thrown, I'm thinking that's a sure touchdown. And he he seemingly came out of nowhere. That was remarkable. But the other thing about it was that they had the right defensive call too. Yep. Yep. They had the guys pretty much playing a zone right. where everybody was looking right. at the man on the inside right. with that formation, which was, again, it goes back to great coaching. When was the last time we could say that about a Colorado football team in the last five years other than Colorado School of Mines? Yeah. Great coaching. Yeah, and you know, know what? <laughs> Let's right. turn that off and side of the ball and talk about that coaching because Sean Lewis quit his head coaching job at Kent State to become the offensive coordinator. The offense that he has brought and then tapered to Colorado – when you look at the work of, of thus far, it, it is basically custom built for the players he has right now. Now, the funny thing is we act like, well, yeah, shouldn't you do that? Uh, maybe you should, but oftentimes they don't. Guys bring their playbook, say this is the playbook. Lewis has obviously taken the players he had and said, I need to create something that works for them. Obviously, it's made them comfort comfortable on offense because there seems to be a lot of confidence there. When you think about that, a uh, head coach quitting to become an offensive coordinator, and then, uh, by the way, and I, I heard from some people this week, in the NFL he already got attention based on mm-hmm. just the game against TCU, right. the play calls and the play design. Uh, I'm trying to think of something like that from the coaching side. I don't recall seeing something like that for a while either. No, and let's not look overlook, too, that he has guys who are being able to help him, too, okay? Like, Pat Shermer, and I get it, Pat Shermer, he's still, for some reason, having Jerry Judy go in motion and have that fake handoff that <laughs> nobody ever gets, right? Average of no minus 3.8 yards per. Still makes no sense, yeah. right? But at the same time, you still have that, right? You have that offensive analyst who was a guy who coached twice in the NFL as a head coach and was a really good offensive coordinator except for what he did with the Broncos, right? So you have that type of um, help to be there with you. So you have the talent as well. You have different guys who have you picked up through the transfer portal. There was a one guy who started at wide receiver uh, last week that was a guy that was a holdover. Everybody was brand new. So you got those pieces through the transfer portal. Then you got the coach to be able to coach up those guys. And, oh, by the way, you have a quarterback who's pretty good as well and fairly accurate. So when you have all those pieces together, it equals 5, 10, and 4 touchdowns. Having said all these things, does tomorrow's game make you just a wee bit nervous? I'm not a wee bit nervous. I am extremely nervous. Um, and I'm, I think for me, guys, to be very honest with you, this is one of those games. First of all, you know my rule, right? You, you know what we talk to college, right? I don't trust anybody 18 to 23. Like, right. It's just a reality. But I see this Nebraska team. They took on a pretty good Minnesota team. If you look at their records the last couple of years, this is a fairly good Minnesota team, okay? They went on the road. If it wasn't for the three turnovers they had, this is a total different story that we're talking about. We're talking about an old-school Big Ten game where Minnesota needed a fourth and nine and a beautiful route in order to get it to the end zone. Then they needed an interception in order to get a full goal range and win that game at the last moment. No, three things had to happen the last five minutes. Nebraska had to fumble as they were driving Mm – for yet another score, uh, you talk about the fourth and nine play that had to happen and a great mm-hmm. catch, and then the interception yep. for, for them to win. All three things had to happen. If even one of those three things doesn't happen, it's at least going overtime. Right, and, and so I don't understand, and I get it. Right, everybody likes the glitz, the glamour, and they like to see offense, and they like to see offensive shootouts. Guys, you know what we're going to see tomorrow. We're going to see a whole lot of running. Nebraska's going to come out and they will run that football. I, was, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 49, 45, 50 times. They are going to run that pill, 
and then throw the football off of that. And so if Nebraska, if they could go and actually just not have the turnovers, you may have one or two, it happens, but if they win the turnover battle with the type of defense that Nebraska has, it could be very tough for Colorado. I do expect the Bucs to be able to win this game, especially at home, but this is going to be a way, way tougher battle than I think a lot of people are expecting. What you're describing, Justin, kind of reminds me of what we see in college basketball a lot, right? Like one team will just want to, to slow the pace and have the higher tempo team try to, try to have to adapt to that. And sometimes what you'll see, the reason you get upsets, is the higher tempo team gets a, a little antsy. They, they want to go so fast, so quick, that they make mistakes. And I think that's kind of maybe what you're talking about with Colorado tomorrow is the, is the temptation to uh, maybe after a long sustained drive by Nebraska to want to strike back in 90 seconds. And they have to probably avoid that temptation, right? Yeah, you have to. I mean, even though that's part of your offense, right? You're a quick striking offense and you want to quickly get the ball down the field. You want to try to tire out the defense. Well, guys, it's hard. It's really hard to tire out a defense if you go three and out. It's really hard to tire out a defense if you pick up a first down on the first play and then you don't pick up a first down on the next three plays, right? So you have to go and have tempo at different times of the game. I would expect early for the Buffs to really go high tempo, try to get themselves on the board, even if it's a field goal. You just want to go in, pretty much put Nebraska on the backside. You want them to continue to chase you just like TCU did last week. But if Nebraska goes and scores first, you know, the crowd will be there. The crowd will still be excited. But slowly but surely, that could be something that could be uh, of danger for the Buffs. So I'll be very interested to see what they do. They have to win that turnover battle. They're, look, their running game, it has to show up. You can't give up 260-plus yards. Right. And also, you got to be able to throw that pill. Spread them out, throw the ball. Shadur Sanders is going to take a couple of hits. He's going to see a couple of coverages that he pretty much would see in the NFL and out of college football. But Matt Rule is going to bring out everything at a kitchen sink to try to steal this one. Whatever pressure was on CU last week, and maybe there wasn't a lot, they didn't seem to feel it. Mm-hmm. I want to transition to talk about the Raiders and the Broncos on Sunday mm-hmm. and ask mm-hmm. you whether the pressure for this Sunday, not the rest of the season, but for this Sunday, is more centrally going to be felt by Sean Payton or Russell Wilson. 100% Russell Wilson. 100% really? Not at all, Sean Payton? I say it's 100% Russell Wilson because at the end of the day, they're not firing Sean Payton at the end of the year. This team could go 0-17 and they will fire Sean Payton. There's too big of a check that you just signed for this guy right over here. It's all about Russell Wilson. And it's all about he's heard all the noise. He talks uh, earlier about how he keeps receipts and all this other stuff. Well, it's fine to keep receipts. Well, that has become the catchphrase in football now, oh, isn't it? Goodness. Robert <laughs> Sala, Deion Sanders. Now I'm hearing it all the time. I'm hearing plans. Oh, no, no, we're keeping receipts. We're keeping receipts. Right. Well, it's funny because the reason why you keep receipts is because either A, you try to find out how much you spent on something, yeah. or B, you try to take that back. And I'll yeah. tell you what, the Broncos, they're keeping receipts because they may want to take back that transaction they did for Russell Wilson right now. That's why this year is so important for him because it's time for him to go and stand up and say, hey, this is the guy that I am. I am that Hall of Fame quarterback. I am the guy who literally said, I wanted Sean Payton to be here. Well, look, you got the guy here. First of all, you got the trade that you wanted. You got the team that you wanted. Now you got the head coach that you wanted. It's time for you to put it together with no more excuses. For Russell Wilson, the the challenge there, of course, is he's not going to just the, the let Russ cook thing. It was one year. We saw it. Mm-hmm. It's over. 
Uh, now it's going to be Sean Payton's offense. The bright side is I think you've seen a clear effort in the preseason games that Wilson has tried and at practice as well to be in that offense. He has tried to avoid immediately scrambling. He has tried to avoid uh, waiting for the deep shots. He's trying to take what the defense gives him. Do you believe he can make that transition based on his best years in Seattle, or do you believe the Broncos are trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? I believe that they can if he buys in. That's the biggest thing. Russ has to buy in. Look, this offense will work. This offense can work well for you. And, oh, by the way, you can still go and scramble around and get a couple of yards as well in this offense and keep the chains moving. Keep yourself on the positive side of the down and distance. That's what this thing can do. But here's the thing. If for Russ to be able to be comfortable and to wait for those intermediate shots, which where the majority of his passes will be, he has to be very patient. That's the thing. You could be antsy back there. The offensive line has to hold up for you. So you could be able to go and see those guys and then throw the ball to them so accurately and make things happen in the passing game. I don't think it's going to get a lot of opportunities to be able to throw. Um, as, we, as we all know, it's going to be a running team, right? A two tight end, one tight end, fullback type of team. Well, especially so now see, because yeah. uh, uh, name the <laughs> wide receivers <laughs> on, on, the, on this team, uh, it, most of them. Or, or on the practice squad, at least Sandy, right I'm, now. Sandy, look, man, I still got some good years in these legs now. Okay? I, know, I didn't make it to the pros. I activate but, uh, you as a wide receiver. <laughs> I'll take the check, too. But uh, at the end of the day, the main thing is just for us is that you have to trust the offense. And if you could trust the offense, if you could go and grow in this offense quickly, especially going up against the Raiders, things can go well for you. We have seen this with Drew Brees. We have seen this with other individuals as well. But he has to be patient to make this work. And honestly, guys, I believe he can. And I believe he will, too. He is Justin Adams. Make sure you give him a follow at Justin Adams TV on Twitter and check out everything he's doing at CBS News Colorado. Uh, look, I know it's a busy weekend. I know you'll be working, but find a way to enjoy it because I think perhaps uh, if this goes well, as we think, and it's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Perhaps this rivalry will renew itself in its own roundabout fashion sooner rather than later. I think both programs would be able to benefit from that. Certainly, I think uh, alumni would appreciate it as well. So hopefully this is a, a, a fun weekend, and we're looking forward to talking to you next weekend about, look, Broncos, Raiders, Buffs, Huskers. I mean, how can you go wrong? It's going to be a great weekend, guys. Hey, one last stat for you. Listen to this. The last time the Colorado Buffaloes beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers as a ranked team, 2001, here in a 62-36 game. Hopefully we will see something similar happen on Saturday. All right, Justin Adams joining us. CBS News Colorado, thanks so much. I don't much. think there'll be 62 total points scored in the game. I, I, I think Justin's <laughs> exactly right. I think that uh, in Nebraska's case, things are going to they're, they're going to try to keep it tight oh, by yes. slowing it down and Slow. testing the run. Uh, the Slow, slower, slowest. The defensive line is probably the biggest question remaining for the Colorado Buffaloes after their first game. We'll, it will be tested tomorrow for sure. Uh, we'll take a look back at the Denver Broncos. We will start their season at home against the Raiders. And a quick note, by the way, believe it or not, on the Colorado Rockies who sign one of their own to an extension. I'll explain next. I don't play y'all pussy down with the Harlem heat. All of a sudden's got a problem with me. Black, what happened? They running around acting like the black don't care eat. And you know what? What? For some strange reason, I'm off of this medication, feeling deranged, needing for y'all to put the word out. Come on, we ain't leaving. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah.
Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. A little bit of uh, breaking news with the Colorado Rockies, so we want to keep you on top of it, at least. The Rockies on Herman Marquez. Marquez, of course, had Tommy John surgery in May. He will miss the majority of the 2024 season, presumably, or at least the bare minimum half of it. The Rockies and Marquez agreed to a two-year extension worth $20 million and uh, has incentives that could drive it uh, up another $10 million in performance bonuses. Not likely to hit that, but that happens in the 2025 season. This is actually a good move for the Rockies because they had a $16 million contract option for Marquez next year. Now, He's going to miss a big chunk of that, but instead of paying the $16 million to retain his services, uh, they go ahead and do 20 over two years and count, I guess, on the 2025 season being the comeback season. I, I, I suppose it's, it's reasonable. I don't think it's a terrible thing to do. The counterpoint that you could make, if you want to argue against it, you could say, but the Rockies held that option, not Marquez. Yeah. And you could just say, thanks, but um, sorry about the bad luck and good luck in free agency. But that's we also know that's not how the Rockies operate. And that's one of the things that I think that they certainly do appreciate their own players and try to repay them. And I think at least on, yeah. on one level, that is commendable. But I, I don't hate this because I do think that Herman Marquez, uh, when healthy, is as good of a pitcher as the Rockies have ever had. And... I have no doubt that he would be doing his best to get back. He'd want to continue his career. And you have all the incentive for Marquez to have some of the best years of his career. Keep in mind, he won't even turn 29 until next February. So I, I don't I don't hate the move. I think, I think it's a reasonable move. Uh, but you are counting on Marquez uh, to come back at some point, probably in 2024. And then you have a, him at a bargain price for 2025, assuming he's healthy. Yes. Assuming he's healthy. Um, and I get it. Know, Tommy it, John is more reliable than it used to be, but you still. Yeah. It's it's a gamble of sorts, but it's reasonable. And the Rockies do so many things that are unreasonable. I think they deserve some praise when uh, they do more or less the right thing. And I, I think we all root for Herman Marquez to come back and be the pitcher he was at his best in his prime. The question is whether he has one more prime year left in him. Right. Hopefully that's that's the case. Um, I'm not sure with this team how much difference it matters, right? That, uh, that makes right now because they are currently on pace to lose 103 baseball games. They have 23 games left. To avoid losing 100, they have to go 12 and 11 in those 23 games. And if you look at the opposition, no chance. There's no way they're no going to win a dozen games. I don't think they'll win 10 more games. I don't either. Uh, I I think it's going to come out to 58, 104, 59, 103, something in that realm. Uh, but but if you told me right now that the over over uh, over under number was 60, I take the under. I take the under on it. And they have challenges with contracts. Chris Bryant is signed through yes. 2027. Uh, 
Uh, Charlie Blackman is a free agent after this year. Right. Presumably, he will try to He'll move on move. to greener pastures. Yeah. Uh, we now know about Marquez's new deal, but Kyle Freeland is signed for fifteen to seventeen million through twenty twenty seven. Um, the Rockies have some decent sized contracts on the books. It isn't as many as you might think, though, because they did make those trades to uh, to move on from some of the veterans. But uh, they still owe Nolan Arenado, by the way, over the next three seasons, $15 million as well. To play against. How about that? Or at least occasionally play against them. Uh, St. Louis is also in last place yeah. in its division, and next to the Rockies, the worst team in the National League. So uh, at least this year for both Arenado and the Rockies, uh, things have not yeah. gone well. Um, 16 of the 24 teams. In other words, the two dozen teams who aren't leading divisions right now and are somewhere between 97 and 99.9% certain of making the playoffs, 16 still have a percentage chance, however small, of qualifying for the playoffs. That's two-thirds. Right. The Rockies, needless to say, have long since been part of the group that has no chance uh, to make the playoffs. And... It's ridiculous when you look at a team like Miami or Arizona or Cincinnati. Uh, The Cubs are overachieving. I think the Phillies are probably overachieving a little bit. Arizona, Miami, and Cincinnati are five games over, four games over, and four games over, respectively. If the Giants are a 500 team at 70 and 70, and they're two and a half games out of a playoff spot with a much better than one in five chance of making the playoffs. All you have to do is be a 500 team in the national league, at least this year. And you're a playoff contender. Which and, is what the, the Rockies, Rockies by the way, thought they thought they were, uh, don't, don't fall for the idea that the Rockies, uh, are rebuilding. They didn't think they were rebuilding. Uh, they believed they they were they had a bunch of rebuilding teams don't sign CJ Crone and Jerickson Profar and Ricky Brandel Grichuk and they don't they don't they don't add those guys uh, they subtract those guys that's what rebuilding teams do the Rockies eventually did when it was obvious they're on they're going to be the worst team uh, they've ever been but get this the Rockies in total payroll because you brought up those teams and think well that's about where the Rockies live right. The Rockies Not have really. the 14th highest payroll in all of baseball. Yeah, they, they spend about as much as the Boston Red Sox do. Now, the Boston Red Sox aren't going to make the playoffs, but only because they're in the American League, and specifically in the American League East, where a 72-68 and 68 record leaves you with a 3.8% chance of making the playoffs. More, more than but Minnesota? But their payroll, the, the Rockies' payroll is right next to Boston's, I think, just below it. Is. It. it is directly below just Boston's below and, and, Boston's and the Chicago 13th. Cubs. Rockies are four. The Cubs are twelve, and the Cubs are seventy six and sixty five, with a, with with without a top ten payroll. They pay more for their team than the Twins, than the Mariners, than the Brewers, than the Reds, than of course the Orioles, than the Rays. It, 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 when Yikes. people say the Rockies lose because they're cheap, nope. don't spend enough. That's not true. They're letting the Rockies off the hook. Yep. The Rockies are a bad baseball organization. And they have spent at this level for almost a decade now. Ten bad baseball decisions for every one good baseball decision. Yeah. Now, case in point, the second highest paid player behind Chris Bryant at $28 million this year, at $16 million, is Nolan Arenado. 
second highest paid Rocky on the team this year. I should say on the team's payroll, obviously not on the team. But when when their second highest paid player is a guy that doesn't actually play for you, and by the way, hasn't for a little while, that's not good. That's not the sign of a good franchise. The Denver Broncos have been down, but they haven't been down like that. Uh, Not at that stage. But oddly, as you've pointed out, their winning record over the last seven years, well, to say comparable is even being a little nice. Yeah. Um, 17 through 22. Now, it won't be the case this year, I assume, because the Rockies are going to finish with a, you know, 360, 355 win percentage somewhere along those lines. But from 17 through 22, six years, year by year, the Rockies had a better winning percentage than the Broncos did. 17, 18, obviously those were players. And obviously baseball is a sport in which it's 19, hard to become 20, atrocious. 21, 22. Every single year, the Rockies have had a higher winning percentage. And I, I, I mentioned earlier that the Broncos all told, including 2016, over the last seven years, I've gone 44 and 70. That's a percentage of 386. To give you an idea, Josh McDaniel's winning percentage in Denver was 393. So the Broncos, including 2016, over the last seven years, not six, seven years, have had a winning percentage worse than they did when Josh McDaniels was coaching them for 2009, Broncos won 8-8. Eight and eight. And then the following year, he was 3-9. and nine. They fired him after 12 games and let um, the running backs coach Richmond, oh. finish off. Right. Yeah, season. Studisville. Right. Studisville. Aaron mm-hmm. Studisville. Finish off the season as, uh, as the head coach. But, yes, Josh McDaniels' winning percentage in Denver was higher than the Broncos' winning percentage over the last seven years. This is the point we've tried to make. You can say what you will about Sean Payton, and we have certainly looked at his record and found it to be that of a proven winner. There's no question about that. Uh, Pre-Bounty Gate was a little better than post-Bounty Gate, but there were some good years post-Bounty Gate, too. Uh, I I think we all kind of feel that Sean Payton thinks they would have won the Super Bowl uh, in 2018, if not for the NOLA no call uh, in the championship game. I'm not sure they would have yeah, won the game, I, but they should have been in the game. They, 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 and, and people were saying that before the game began, that the best team in the NFC was New Orleans. New Orleans deserved to win that game, uh, should have won that game. And everybody agreed that the call was blown, including the guy who committed the call, that committed the foul right. that was not called, including him. He thought it was a bad call. Uh so they reviewed replay for one year, and then they stopped doing it, and that was another grievance that Sean Payton identified in his uh, uh, fascinating uh, conversation or conversations with Seth Wickersham, yeah. who was our guest earlier this week. Yeah, go catch ESPN. that, by the way, as well. Com. If you haven't gone there, go but, check it out. Uh, speaking of Josh McDaniels. Yes. Very, very I, was, I wanted to make sure you said this because this, 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 this blew my mind. This is one of the great statistical oddities, and you only come across this stuff when you have nothing better to do. And the Broncos like needed, I did this afternoon. They need it to change because, well, yeah. Uh, crazy. He, here it is. Now, we know his, as Chris Thomason actually pointed out yesterday on our program from the Denver Gazette, 
Josh McDaniels' winning percentage is below 400 overall as football coach. He's 17 and 28 as an NFL head 17 coach. 17 total wins. 17 total wins. Okay. Uh, percentage of 378. And you're thinking, well, you know, it, against virtually everybody, especially the best coaches, he's just gotten pounded. Right. Because he, he, he hasn't had any success as a head coach, really. 11-17 in Denver, 6-11 and last year with the Raiders, which was 40 percentage points worse than he was with the Broncos. By the way, even with the Broncos, 11-17 translates into a better record over 17 games in 6-11. and In any case, here are the Super Bowl coaches against whom Josh McDaniels is not only doing well, he is undefeated against Bill Belichick, Tom Coughlin, Pete Carroll, Jeff Fisher, Lovey Smith, all Super Bowl coaches. Some of them won a whole lot, and some of them lost when they went to the Super Bowl, but they're all Super Bowl coaches. He's 7-0 and against those guys, and if you throw in the Super Bowl 50 champs, who happen to be the Denver Broncos, he's won nine and lost none. He was 2-0, and obviously, against Hackett's Broncos last year. That means he is 9-0 and against all those Super Bowl coaches and the 2015 Super Bowl champs. And he's 8-28 and against everybody else. But he is undefeated against the Broncos and against the Patriots as yeah. a head coach. 2-0 and against both. And, I mean, and, and, and he know, beat Belichick last year beating, again. Beating Hackett is one thing. Beating Belichick is another. I mean, 7-0 and against Super and Bowl head coaches. And he's 2-0 against his, Pete Carroll. 7 of his 17 wins. 2-0 against Pete Carroll. That's bizarre. That's just very, very strange. What a, what a weird is it, stat. Isn't that something? And, of course, uh, Sean Payton has won he one. He's never coached against Sean Payton, though. The Broncos need that to change. And if you want the uh, the one on the other side, Russell Wilson, by the way, against Jimmy Garoppolo, 5-1, uh, and one, that's the second-best record he has against any other opposing quarterback. Yeah. The best also 49ers, 6-1 and one against Colin well, Kaepernick. Well, here, here's, here's the interesting thing, too, and we can go back to Detroit, Kansas City last night. Um, I think somewhere around 75% of the time in the NFL over the last few years that the, the team with uh, the quarterback who has the higher passer rating for the game is, is going to win. Um, believe it or not, that was Jared Goff last night by quite mm-hmm. a margin. Because of that one interception. interception he threw over Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, by the way, the Landry formula, which is pass completions versus rushing attempts, very one-sided last night, although it was a one-point game, in favor of the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Who ran the ball more and completed a pretty impressive number of passes given the number of times they threw. Uh, people talk about balance. Detroit really had it last night. Kansas City, not so much. And, of course, the drops made it into almost a, a complete fiasco offensively in the second half. Well, football is well and truly upon us. And so why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book. That's Superbook Sports. Do that this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. 
So bet with the best. Just use the promo code MILEHIGH. That was easy. And win this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sandy, uh, we get we get to do this. We haven't gotten to do this in a while. We get to make football picks for the weekend. We are going to tell you what we think happens. The Buffs and the Huskers. I'm, I'm the already 0-1. And the Raiders. Both straight up and against the spread. So off to a flying <laughs> start, nope. as we discussed earlier. What I hear is nowhere to go but up. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. I got a pocket full of $100 bills. Put on a jacket because these diamonds give you chills. Two shots are running. Two atoms starting tonight. Oh. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It is a football Friday. It's been fun being with you. We're going to look at the NFL slate. We're going to do some do some picks here. I uh, I guess I should ask before we get further on. We should ask Danny Bailey as well. Um, tomorrow, Danny. You, Huskers, Buffs. Um, I'm, I'm the pretty one, optimistic. The one day this week you are not wearing a CU shirt. I'm the pretty optimistic uh, that the Buffs are gonna get it done, but I don't think it's gonna be no, quite, no, a, a pick. Pick. quite a high scoring pick. affair. Pick. pick Buffs. Thank you. Me yeah. too. By a lot. I think they're gonna win by a touchdown. Might be my heart talking, but I think they're gonna win. By, I just think the offense. I I agree. Nebraska's defense is different. It is better, oh. and they can run the ball, and they can dominate the clock. I just think that CU's speed yeah. is going to be I, very hard for anybody I, to combat. I think I'm going high on the score, but it's not close to the over-under. Um, 26-20 Colorado. I think they take that just fine. I mean, you know, I talked with Nate Lundy earlier. We talked about bets. I mean, I took bus by six and a half, so I wouldn't yeah. love it as much. But as a... Six and a half. I but I, I, I would be happy. I'd, I'd be more than happy to live with it. But let's go to the NFL slate. We'll start with the 49ers and the Steelers. Yeah. I, I think uh, we were talking about it during the break. I'm firmly convinced. Seems like every year after my people that Mike Tomlin is the best coach in the league that nobody talks about. But uh, it, the Steelers are only two and a half point underdogs. Now they are at home, but the Niners are arguably the favorites along with the uh with the Eagles to come out of the NFC for the Super Bowl, and they are expected to have Nick Bosa back, and he probably should be playing. I, I, I agree, and I love the 49ers, but I know that the last couple yeah, of years, you've been, been as big on them four, as anybody. Three and four. They don't start fast, and this is a tough place to play to start the year. So I, I've got Pittsburgh by four. Wow. Straight up. Wow. Uh, I, I, have, I have the Niners taking this. I, I think they're going to be good. I am a little nervous about how Brock Purdy looks, but I just think there's, there's too much talent there. Uh, when you're talking about the high-end guys, the Christian McCaffrey's, the Debo Samuels, uh, there's just too many weapons. And they are healthy. Yeah. For now. So at the For moment, I, I, th- I think the Niners cruise. Let's go to one of the more interesting under-the-radar ones because um, the, the Cincinnati Bengals go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. The Bengals are a two-point favorite. They just signed Joe Burrow to the biggest contract in NFL history, one that he certainly owned. Now he For was, now. For now. For now. For the moment, at the moment, until the next quarterback gets yeah, one. That's right. The situation where Burrow, after being uh, straining his calf in a non-contact injury, he was even you know wearing a, uh, a bit of a sleeve at the time. He has missed the entire preseason. We will see. We know that the hits that Burrow has taken over the course of his career have been problematic. They have invested heavily on the offensive line. 
It sure looks like it should be a lot better. I think the Bengals are a significantly better team than the Browns. I really do, but they are only favored by two. And this Browns team, I think, is one of the great mysteries of yeah, the NFL right maybe now. Maybe the greatest. As Nate Lundy talked about earlier, get, well, these first weeks, be careful because you don't know what yeah. teams look like. The Browns, uh, I, I, I think I, the I Bengals, like, I buy into the Bengals. I think they're for real, but the Browns, I don't know what you're going to see. I, I don't have any idea either. Uh, I think Cleveland, uh, apart from the quarterback, is pretty sound. Uh, I, I don't know about the quarterback. He may be the Houston version, or he may be last year's Cleveland right. quarterback, too. I, I don't know. But as know. you pointed but out. I have it, I have it uh, a field goal game, relatively low scoring. Yeah. A divisional game. Uh, you know, I don't think Cleveland's afraid of Cincinnati, but it's something like 1916 yeah. in favor of the Bengals. Battle of Ohio. We won't spend much time on this because these teams are bad. Panthers and Falcons. Uh, I think the Falcons are simply the better team. I think Bijan Robinson's going to have a day. Uh, I think Bryce Young will probably struggle in his debut, even against a bad team. The, the, the line I saw was three and a half. It's what half it makes yep. me nervous. So I like Atlanta to win, but Carolina plus three and a half. Colts host the Jaguars. To me, this this as uh, Jacksonville's favored by five. To me, this is one of the games that could get ugly. I think the Jags are for real. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to take a step, and by the end of the year, he's going to be a top five quarterback in this league. I expect the Jaguars to roll. I I'm shocked in in reading in previews of this game. And again, I, know I don't know why they're only five. weird stuff can happen, but I'm shocked they're only favored by five. Me too. And I, I'm also surprised at how many people think. Well, you know, Indy's got. A, a pretty good team, and yeah, the quarterback has not played a lot of football. And I, I, I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, Jacksonville. I have Jacksonville winning by 13. Yeah, I think it'll be. I don't one. think it, I don't think they'll sweat it. Vikings take on the Buccaneers, five and a half point favorites. Congratulations, assuming nothing happens between now and Sunday. Baker Mayfield to be uh, tying an NFL record by being the opening yeah. week starter for three con- different teams in three consecutive years. Never happened. And there's and a reason for it. So, there's a reason uh, for it. Yeah, I'll take Minnesota. Um, Minnesota by more than five and a half. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Titans at Saints. The Saints favored by three. Sean Payton's old team. Uh, this one surprised me. I think that the Titans are getting a little bit of the short uh, stick in boy, attention. I, I like Mike Vrabel. And uh, I do, and too. And I know they stumbled at the end of last year. But I think now, the Titans will win this game straight out. Yeah. Tannehill is healthy. I, I do like the Saints because I think they've got a little bit of mojo with, with Derek Carr now as uh, the quarterback, and they are at home. Uh, but, boy, I I would stay far away from this one uh, because especially early in the season, I think Vrabel can work some magic, and they always play hard. And if they Tannehill is healthy, uh, they've added Hopkins. Um, I, I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game because New Orleans is pretty good on defense. Uh, but, but Tennessee can slug it out, and it wouldn't be surprising to me. I have New Orleans by four, but if Tennessee won by four, it would not be a surprise. Cards at Commanders, Washington by seven. To me, that one's easy. The Cards are barely yeah. trying this year. That's I, a no-brainer. I, th- I think Washington might be pretty good, and I know they're good on defense. Texans at Ravens. Baltimore with one of the bigger ones of the 10-point favorite. To me, I'll, that's easy, too. Well, the Ravens are healthy. Lamar Jackson is healthy. That makes them extremely dangerous. The Texans are clearly still in the middle of a rebuild. Uh, that one's the Ravens in a romp. I think so, too. Although since 05, double-digit favorites are 5-10 and 10 against the spread 
in openers. A uh, a classic NFL matchup to start it off. The Packers go to Chicago. The Bears, one of the the, the hot teams, all of a sudden, yeah, the people are picking to turn it around, but they are favored only by one against yeah, Jordan Love. I, they're begging and the Packers. You, they're begging you to take Green Bay, and I'm going to fall into that trap, and I'm going to take Green Bay. I Jordan Love's debut. I think Green Bay is kind of one of those sneaky good teams, uh, sort of the way Minnesota was last year. Um, I, I don't know how Love is going to play, but I don't know how Justin Fields is, is going to play. He has more weapons, but uh, his skills as a passer will be tested. Packers are pretty good on defense, and I think they'll win this one. Eagles at the Patriots. Philly favored by four. I think that's an easy, easy. one. As easy. Eagles get that Philly one. I think the they, they cruise. Dolphins at Chargers, one of the more interesting games on the AFC slate. Chargers at home, favored by three. I will take the Dolphins in uh, another upset to win in Los Angeles, although I think the Chargers win 10 games. This won't be one of the 10. Interesting. Miami's good, and Tua is, for now, healthy. Hopefully stays. I think the Chargers win that one. The Rams go to Seattle, take on the Seahawks. Seahawks favored by five and a half. Uh, The Rams are in a clear rebuild. I don't know if they'll get five and a half, but I think Seattle wins this game. Seattle wins this game. Uh, Seattle wins this game, and I think by by six or more. So the night football, one of the fun ones, Cowboys at Giants. Cowboys on the road, but favored by three and a half. When Nate Lundy talked about that as well, and yeah. kind of liked to pick the, he, at least the, he, he the, Giants the Giants and the points, at least, for sure. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I hear that uh, uh, the Dukies had a good uh, uh, preseason for the Giants. They've got Saquon Barkley back. They've got Waller at tight end. Uh, but I just think sooner or later, the Cowboys are going to live up to their promise. And they have a good history recently against the Giants at the head. And I like Dallas in this one uh, by four or more. We will tackle the Monday night game, you know, on Monday when we'll be back. But obviously we have the Raiders and the Broncos. Broncos favored uh, by three and a half. Look, the Broncos fans don't care. If there was half a point that you could win by, they'd yeah. take it. <laughs> yeah, they'd take it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Josh Jacobs in his career against the Broncos, nine touchdowns in seven games, 721 yards, more than 100 a game. Max Crosby, 11 and a half sacks in eight games. But the Raiders are a mess. They are in disarray. The Chandler Jones situation hitting at the wrong time. Uh, I think this is a field goal game, but I'll tell you what, the Broncos better come up on the right side of it. I think they will do it. I, I think Sean it might be debut. a little more comfortable than that. I have 23-17 Denver. Uh, again, the half point that I saw in this game, minus three and a half, makes me a little nervous. If it's a field goal game, uh, they could win the game by a field goal the and fans Broncos would take that, but the Raiders would come. Winning and scoring 23 points? Happy days would be here well, again. How about that? Yeah. Now, uh, against, uh, I'll give you an idea, against the Raiders, uh, the Broncos over the last seven years have averaged 18.5 points a game and given up 23.3. So I think that flips. Try to flip it. Kind of flips it. We will see. It is a terrific weekend of football. We'll be back on Monday to talk about all of it. Thanks to Nate Lundy for joining us. Make sure you uh, go to Twitter, follow Nate at Nate Lundy for all his picks. He leaves a roll right out there for you. Thanks to Justin Adams of CBS News Colorado, an opportunity to talk to the former buff about the buffs. Thanks to Danny Bailey, who had a... uh, a fantastic week. Just just nailed everything this week. He uh, helped write some columns by it, getting it, Seth Wickersham on. Too. Every, everything. Just did a money. Danny Money Bailey producing this week. Uh, making sure that everything you hear and see, by the way, uh, all looks and sounds good. Thanks to you for listening, whether it was on FM, HD radio, whether you've gone on to MyLifeSports.com, or whether you've made it even easier on yourself and got the MyLife Sports app. And if you haven't yet, it's not hard. Just grab your phone, look for MyLife Sports, download it, and off you go. 
get the, all the programming we have here and all the terrific stories. And even you can even check out the latest magazine, the Pat Sertan on the cover as well, or pick that up wherever you are if you're downtown this weekend. That will do it for us. Have a safe and happy football weekend. We'll be back on Monday for Danny, for Sandy. I'm Sean. Keep it right here on Miley Sports Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. I saw the fire in your eyes. I saw the fire when I look into your eyes. You tell me things you